This is Work the Case, a Criminal Minds legal podcast. Hey, Hope. Yes? Why would you not want to go on a date with this guy? This unsub. I mean, despite the fact that he uh, is a terrorist and uses pipe bombs? (laughs) Yeah, no, the more important thing. Why would you not want to go on a date with him? I don't know why. He's going to stand you up on the bill because he, he always likes to nickel and dime. I was going to make a joke about destroying your box, but we'll take that one. (laughs) Okay, well, with that, uh, welcome to Work the Case, a Criminal Minds legal podcast. Every week, I, uh, Lee. I'm Hope. And we uh, are together the probably best crew, minus having a psychologist to analyze Criminal Minds episodes. Um... This week, we are talking about episode three, Won't Get Fooled Again. This episode is probably the, f- the wildest of, like, the yes. first, like, I'm not, I don't want to get ahead of myself because I know Fisher King is going to molly rock our ass in a little bit, but this is really wild. Yeah, this is the first one where they get, like, really brutal, like, in the first scene. Yeah, no, the cold open for this episode is a man getting his leg blown off, and it just keeps escalating. And him screaming. Like, they do not hide it. They show it on, like, camera. No, I see this man's bone. Um, (laughs) so, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and get into the episode summary, because we have some stuff to cover throughout this episode. Okay, so, plot summary. The team goes down to Florida after a serial bomber kills three and injures one. The bombs are close copies to similar bombs made by uh, Adrian Bale, who was mentioned in episode one. He is the Boston Shrapnel Bomber. Uh, his modus operandi is to create bombs that uh, contain shrapnel in them so that when they explode, they harm people more than just the explosion, which would characterize him as both a serial bomber and also a sadist so uh these bombs are very close to adrian bales but that can't be right because he's in prison for some reason in atlanta yeah this is also a plot point like female serial killers this is a plot point that comes back like a lot where it's like we have a copycat but the real guy's in prison so we need to interview the real guy like at least once a season in this show yeah and usually they just throw whatever woman on the team is at him to rattle him i guess but uh no this time yeah they're like you've got tits he'll hit on you and like say something dumb yeah no this time they sent reed um <laughs> which you know same logic same logic anyway so um so through their investigation, they find that the real bomber is a man named David Walker. He is not a bomber by trade. He's actually a forger and a con man. But he started forging Adrian Bale's bombs, which is insane. And then he starts bombing people to cover up a murder that he committed, which was he killed an old woman who was going to reveal to the world that he was a coin forger. So again, the plot in this one is pretty insane. Yeah, it's perfectly logical if you think about it to kill like four people to cover up the one murder you did. Mm -hmm. It's flawless reasoning. Flawless. Anyway, so uh, Bale taught Walker how to make bombs and also told himself uh, to never let them arrest you to kill yourself instead which he does but only after putting a collar bomb on a the poorest motherfucker i've ever seen 
this dude and sending him into the police station this guy is so upset the whole time he's on camera Um, and also the actor they must have had just like an open can of crisco on hand to just slather this man (laughs) this man is sweaty so so this man with the collar bomb walks into the police station and they realize that the only person that can teach them how to uh, disable the bomb is Adrian Bale because this is what the bomb is made off of. So they have to contact Bale, get into a deal with him, or it's like, if you teach us how to disarm this bomb, we will do whatever you want, essentially. And then Bale is telling them how to disarm the bomb, tries to lie to them, but Gideon, who knows this man's ass, is like, "Uh uh-uh cut it yeah biggest dick move in history to be honest with you truly like adrian bale is like his dick is out and uh gideon's like put it away god because he's like okay cut the blue wire or whatever color they say and gideon's like are you sure you know you'll go to prison if like you say this mm-hmm. and he's like yes i'm sure and gideon goes cut the red one and gideon's right and it's like amazing that's the moment where like if this was coming out when in like 2012 tumblr that would be the scene that gets like the like london bridge by fergie fur like the sirens start playing oh shit oh shit like i don't know what you mean about 2012 i can see this happening on 2021 (laughs) tumblr you're right um anyway so so bale breaks the deal tries to detonate the bomb is unsuccessful gideon manages to out profile him and the day is saved there's a lot (laughs) just that number yeah. one that summary is a lot but um it's just like the the acting choices made in this episode are a lot this is a wild like hour of content that made it onto the air yes undoubtedly this was in like 2003 as well so like just crazy anyway so this is like two years post 9-11 we're doing an episode where like somebody's bombing houses and yeah like, like not even a decade after the Oklahoma bombing yeah it's not a decade after that uh it's like Amerithrax is still out there um there will be an episode later on that which is very very fun Amplify is also one of my favorites uh you can really draw a through line between which episodes I like the most because it's like which one does Reed suffer in I was gonna say that's that's the one thing we have in common with this show is I'm like man that's my favorite episode too I wonder why and then I'm like oh yeah because they beat the shit out of Reed oh yeah because Reed gets anthrax poisoning (laughs) Yes. <laughs> okay, so going back to this episode, so um, let's talk about bombers. So here's the thing. I like the episodes that are sex crimes because, like, paraphilias have extensive and often disputed um, studies and psychological fields that are looking into them. They're really fun is what I'm saying because it's like doing a little puzzle. It's like, who do you believe? Um so it's really choose your own adventure when it comes to like bombers um the study on them is the most serious unfun things i've ever seen how unfortunate to to learn about bombings uh and have it be kind of a bummer well because like here's the thing at least when at least when it's like a like if it's a weird rapist that's like gluing their eyes open and i don't know putting their dicks in a toaster like that at least you're like what's going on there when it's a bomber it's like oh you just you hate the government because your mom was a bitch. Like, there's nothing really fun there. It's not sexy enough for it's you. It's not sexy. Anyway, so a bomber, um, speaking of not sexy, most bombers are mid. Again, we're going to kind of hint on this throughout the show, but uh, a lot of these profiles that are going to have a little asterisk at the top of the page, and if you look at the bottom of the page, it says, not all criminals are men. Not all men are criminals. Um, but, you know. 
Anyway, so bombers are mostly men. Uh, usually a bomber will have a prior record. These are, this is like an escalation crime. You don't usually start out at bombing. You'll start out with smaller crimes like petty theft, maybe vandalism, sometimes fires. Um, you don't usually come right out the gate with a bomb. In that sense, bombers often commit vandalism. Like that seems to be a primary motivation for bombing, uh, to destroy property or deface property. The thing about bombers is a lot of the times they accidentally kill themselves because as it turns out, bombs are not the easiest thing to create. Um, it's not like a piece of bread you can just put in the oven. It's uh, a lot of chemicals that are very volatile. Um, Which they do address in the episode. Yeah, that's like the first thing out of uh, Hodge's mouth is like, look at all the people that died because <laughs> it might be one of them. <laughs> um, that's that's why the, the guy that blows up like minute one of the episode is immediately a suspect. Yeah. Bomb makers are usually hyper-focused. They usually have an ability to like really tamp down on their work. Um, which is required when you are dealing with volatile chemicals. Um, they are, however, risk takers. They're motivated by, like, they're mo- like the things that they're motivated by are either they have a radical idea that they're in support of, so this would be some of you that bombs an abortion clinic. Uh, they are motivated by crime concealment, so, like, they blow something up because that has all the evidence of their murder or sex crime, or they just... Yeah, or they're committing more murder to cover up the first murder. Yeah. Or they just want to fucking kill a lot of people. That's apparently a big motivation for bombers. Um, They are also usually socially submissive. These aren't, like, extremely aggressive people in day-to-day functions. And they don't, I mean, like, they're not really, you wouldn't look at a bomber and be like, yeah, that guy blows up buildings because, like, they tend to not really show that outwardly. Like, a a bomber is somebody that likes to... Spray paint a building, goes to cr- goes to jail, gets radicalized and jailed, and starts blowing shit up. David Walker fits a lot of these aspects of this profile, but not all of them, which is the thing that Criminal Minds likes to do. Yeah. So um, he is a, he's a con artist rather than a bomber. So the difference in that is uh, a con artist is usually flashy. They usually have more confidence than your average person. Uh, And while they are risk takers, which would fall in line with a bomber's profile, they're not going to be socially submissive and they're not going to be like, they're not going to be like as focused Uh, because like con artists usually have more than one thing going on at a time. So they're not as hyper focused as you would expect a bomb maker to be. They are also, uh, he's also of the crime concealment genre of bomber. He's not a loner, which a lot of bombers typically are. And They specify later on in the episode that uh, his profile would actually differ enough that he's not considered a bomber. He is actually a serial killer. He just happens to use bombs as a weapon. Going back to episode two, she's not an arsonist. She's just a serial killer that uses fire. Which is a very lawyer argument. Yeah, yeah. That's basically, like, they're setting up the argument, like, listen, he doesn't bomb people, so he's not a terrorist. Yeah. We can try him for murder. Which, I mean, you can try him for murder anyway. It's just, like, it's very technical and, like, splitting hairs that you're, like, you don't really need to split to make it fit whatever theory you have. Yeah, I was wondering, because, like, I I just, for me, I don't understand the point of saying that he's a serial killer that uses bombs because, like, 
if you tried him, wouldn't you want to try him as a terrorist so that you could add on extra jail time and more charges and sentence him more harshly? Yeah, because, like, the only thing I can make sense of is that the writers wanted them to, like, fit the profile or whatever. And so they just said, well, you know, he's a serial killer, but he just uses bombs so that we can try and fit him with whatever mold we want. Mm -hmm. Because realistically speaking, like, well, he's a serial killer that uses bombs. Yeah, like, so is a whole section and classification of bomber. Like, yeah. there's no there's no distinction to be drawn here except for the drama and whatever writing, like, intention they wanted. And yeah, he'd be tried more as a terrorist and with murder because they can stack all those charges on top of each other. So it's not like you're losing anything. Like, the way Gideon is talking, he wants to throw this man in Guantanamo Bay and, like, be yes. done with it all. <laughs> this brings us to the actual bomber, um, Adrian Bale. So this guy's an ass. Um... Yeah. He's just unpleasant to look at the whole time that he's on. He's just a little bitch boy. Because he's smirking the whole time and he's like, hello there, Gideon. And it's like, you're not, like, like, the problem this show has is a lot of the time they turn everybody who's even slightly a serial killer into Hannibal Lecter. Yes. But so, Bale, he is flashy. He is a risk taker. Most important, he is impulsive. This guy's got something like i don't i'm not qualified to diagnose him uh so this is just an armchair assessment this guy's got gotta have like something going on in that brain of his because he is way too impulsive yeah and like the weird like you said they turn every criminal into Hannibal Lecter with like the vibe mm -hmm. but then they make him super impulsive which is like the opposite of like the personality that they seem to be like giving him mm -hmm. Because they're giving him the, like, I have everything together, and I'm perfect, and et cetera, et cetera. Which would make you think that they are planning something. It's just weird. Mm -hmm. And it's also, like you said, they do it for every unsub that they have to interview. Which, I'm gonna be real with you. Having spoken to some people charged with capital murder, that is absolutely not, like, true to life. Like, yeah. not only do these people vary wildly in personality, none of them are, like, the criminal mastermind who just happened to get, like the downfall of hubris like no they're just they just kill people like my second favorite thing is every serial killer that they've caught so every serial killer they caught has three things in common they're obsessed with one member of the team usually gideon or rossi um they or hotch sometimes sometimes hotch but mostly gideon or rossi sometimes they like women you know the dilfs of the team yeah, so they're obsessed with a single member of the team they are all hannibal lecter and personality type and for some reason since going into prison all they've done day and night is read psychology textbooks so they'll sit there and be like ah yes you see i exhibited the three signs of the homicidal triad yes um by the way this guy's like yeah I, i'm a sociopath i fit the homicidal triad he's not a sociopath um <laughs> he like the impulsivity would kind of read into that profile but aside from that like number one we don't call them sociopaths anymore we say that they're a person that has antisocial personality disorder that's a, a which by the way is not a real diagnosis i hate it continue yeah so it's so here's the thing you don't call them sociopaths you say antisocial personality disorder that's like dsm-5 stuff but also it it's not really so it's kind of a catch-all for like a lot of things we don't understand it's a you're a bastard diagnosis all of the i can go into this because i had to deal with a lot of aspd diagnoses yeah go into it a little bit yeah it's what they tend to give you when you have a history of either breaking the law or some sort of criminal activity and some sort of harmful activity and it's repeated there's no like if you look at the diagnosis criteria that are used 
it's not necessarily like behavioral or things that are mentally wrong with you. It's more of what actions you take. And so a lot of criminals get diagnosed with this out of hand. And once you're diagnosed with it, it's really hard for any of your defense team or anyone else to dispute it. And so once you get diagnosed, you know, you have ASPD, then it's hard to get like a real diagnosis of any issue you have. So that's my issue with ASPD in the criminal system. Yeah. And also, so like, you know, a lot of the traits that they would describe, you know, a lack of empathy, a high impulsivity, uh, you know, stuff like that could fall into another range of, you know, mental illnesses. Like ASPD could be falsely put on somebody that says like, let's say has autism or has anxiety disorder, both of which would, you know, display some traits that could be labeled as ASPD, but they're definitely not. And this is again to say mental illness does not make you more likely to commit a crime. It makes you more likely to be a victim of a crime. So when you label a criminal as having a mental defect without really giving them the due process required to give them that kind of diagnosis they're creating a system in which it's harder for that person number one to make parole or bail number two uh it makes it harder for them to have like any kind of credibility in the legal system yes yeah so aspd uh like i'm I'm not gonna say it's not real like there's definitely some type of diagnosis that a person can usually have but uh aspd is kind of being used as a hammer rather than a scalpel yes and thank you for making my entirely deranged rant like make academic sense oh no that's what i'm here for i translate yeah you're my anger translator yeah (laughs) okay so um so you right before we started recording said that you had questions about the media in this episode and i want to talk about that too yes i was going to say do you want to let me talk about the legal stuff and then you can talk about the media stuff yeah so um here's my first concerns so uh number one we keep calling Jennifer Giroux, um, like, a liaison, and she has eight jobs. Let's be honest. I was so, gonna say, her liaison with who? Because, like, this bitch is everywhere. So here's the thing. There, like, she, what her official title is as liaison is she would liaise between the FBI and field offices or police departments. So what she would do is, like, a, let's say... In, you know, Waxahachie, Texas, three people die. This fits the FBI criterion. The Waxahachie police are like, hey, can the FBI come in and give us assistance? She would present the case. I'm sorry, is it Waxahachie? I thought it was Waxahachie. We're not having an argument about accents in this moment. (laughs) Um, Okay, we'll have it later. Anyway, so. I'm right. Fuck off. Anyway, (laughs) so they, they call her. She presents the case to the team. She gets the team to go down there. That would be. A liaison role. She's also somehow the media coordinator. A media coordinator, uh, there's two, so there's media coordinators, there's point of information officers, and there's communications officers. These are basically the same role. What they would do is they would coordinate between the team, whoever they're liaisoning with, and the media. This would usually be a separate role because, hey, it's really difficult to talk to the media. Um, (laughs) They're animals. Yeah, we are. Um, so most police offices will have a specific officer that's set up to be the PIO. This person would usually be the one that's contacting the media, not the FBI agent. So the FBI could release official statements, but again, that would come from either some kind of media coordinator or PIO or something like that. They would not really come from a liaison because, I mean, I don't, I, I just don't know why she does eight jobs. 
Anyways, yeah. so in this episode in particular, um, first of all, in the very beginning of the episode, they have a reporter that's like on the scene of the the car bomb. Yeah. And another bomb explodes, and she's like, "Oh my god, um, wait, no, what?" <laughs> like, police would set up a perimeter that if it was a bomb, they would set up a perimeter like, so, like here here's an example. So my where I work, we were. Um, invited as media to cover a school shooting drill um and even though it was a drill even though there were no live guns we were sequestered in a in like a 7-eleven down the road from the school like we couldn't even see the school from the 7-eleven yeah like for context this reporter is like 10 feet away she could, like she could throw her shoe and hit that car um yeah so like poli- number one police would set up a barricade number two we're not allowed to go near the barricade like we could go up to the barricade maybe but like if i were her news director i'd be calling her and be like why the hell are you like three inches from the car where there was a bomb yeah because like not even just for media stuff also for like personal safety and common sense like why are you on this bomb she's like sitting like on the curb next to the bomb anyway so it goes off and she's screaming and no (laughs) you you would never be that close so uh, someone needs to go take her mic flag away from her because she that's a loose cannon. Later on in the episode, Jennifer Giroux hosts a press conference. And like, yeah, I mean, it's pretty standard. Um, my like they should probably have graphics up that would show like what the package bomb looks like or like an artist rendering of it, I guess. But like, it's a pretty standard press conference. I will say she does like kind of bury the lead on like what the package looks like she's like it's a brown envelope with blue wet it's like no no bitch show show an example (laughs) (laughs) that's what you're there for yeah give visuals i also do like um in tv shows the thing that i like to do is i like to watch the newscast that they have and see how they stack the show because um (laughs) it's it's my little pet peeve when they're like anyway so this package bomber will kill you in London today, and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are, what show are you? Yeah. Why are you doing financial news after serial killer news? Like, I re- there was one episode of Criminal Minds where it's like, and the killer might be out there tonight, coming up, or, or, or and then they go to, like, tsunami news from, like, Tokyo, and it's like, what the fuck? Is <laughs> that is not what you would put that in. Is this a local news show? Is this local? Is it national? Is this international now? What? The- um... But unfortunately, they do cut away before then I can hear the next news story. So I can only imagine that this is a properly stacked show. Um, you said you had questions about the media coverage. Uh, did I cover them? Yes, I did have one question, which is when they arrest... No, this is a different episode. Never mind. Okay, yeah. Uh, no, hey, that's episode four. Yes. I can tell from the get-go. And hey, I've got a lot of opinions about episode four. <laughs> okay, so do you want me to get into the legal stuff? Yeah, so let's... Um, real quick... Uh, so this is actually based off a real guy, this episode. So, um, his, so there's this guy and I'm trying to read my notes, but as you can understand, my notes are shit. Um, last name is Hoffman. Anyway, so there, he was a serial, uh, con artist who turned into a bomber. He killed two people via bombs, uh, flipped by a mercury switch, which is how these bombs are activated in this episode. Um, he was also injured by his own bomb so uh there's like very clear parallels in this one i just think that that was kind of interesting uh, a lot of the times these episodes will draw a lot of inspiration from other serial killers but it's really kind of rare that they straight up like copy paste so that was kind of fun this is an svu 
no, no, no. SVU, um, by the way, I watched the episode that I want us to watch for, like, the Christmas, birthday, whatever episode. Oh, Christ. Hey, I was, I was literally screaming on my chair. <laughs> I was like, Hope will hate this every moment of it. I cannot wait. And we can probably watch it together when I come visit, so you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, we'll record an episode in person and it'll just start out with you going, what the fuck is this guy's problem? (laughs) Okay, so let's get into the legal issues inherent in this episode. So, um, I guess let's start from the beginning. And for that, I think this would be considering the person that was injured in a bombing a suspect yes so i mean the police can make anyone suspects they want and they do have like a pretty logical reason right i mean not only do bombers usually blow themselves up but this particular type of bomb which they go into great detail in the episode is like you tilt it half an inch and it'll explode yeah this is a mercury switch bomb which is a really unstable it can't go through the mail so the fact that it's in packages is like it's like a masquerade kind of thing um and if it's tilted it blows up yes and this man picks it up presumably in his driveway i don't think they show him like picking it up takes it to his car he's in a fight with whatever business rival or some dude he lost money with and then as he's getting in the car that's when it blows up and so i think it's a pretty logical assumption because they're like well he was probably being careful with it but just fucked it up when he was getting in the car so he might be like the person who did it Mm -hmm. so i would call that a pretty reasonable suspicion like just generally. I will I will give them that. I will say my first note is that the pipe bombs and like you said, the number of deaths that makes it a federal crime. I always make a note of that. I'm waiting. I am salivating for the day they make something that is not a federal crime and I can just blow them um, out of the water about it. Yeah, so... <laughs> Whoa there. Yeah. Phrasing. Um... It, got way, it got really horny really quickly and I didn't mean it to. Listen, we all know Derek was there. Reed was there. L was there. <laughs> yeah, listen, you know, the dream team. The dream team. Um, I, I, let me, I would swap out some members, but let's go. Um, anyway, so, uh, the, the fact that these are bombs also gives them a lot of credit here, because bombs are federal, because that's when you get yes. into terrorism. I was going to say, that's the, since it is bombs, it's an act of terrorism, so it's federal crime. Yeah, very... So right before that bomb blows up like two inches from that reporter, um, Hotch is talking with some guy from the FBI and he's just like, don't raise the terror alert. People will be afraid. And then like the reporter's like, oh my God, bomb. And Hotch is like, damn it. We have to raise the terror alert. Um, Yes. They (laughs) fucked it up. Fuck. It's now a federal crime, I guess. Yes, they do have it. So also like immediately starting on the scene, is Morgan being like, hey, don't you think that Gideon's whole PTSD thing is still an issue considering this is bombing and, like, his PTSD is centered around bombs? And Hotch is like, uh, no. And then it's never mentioned again. Hotch is like, what are you talking about? It's fine. And then we cut to Gideon who's shaking like a chihuahua. Yeah. And it's also, like, the way the scene is played, it's very obvious Hotch is, like, actively lying to try and get other people to be chill. Um, so that's not super reliable. But it's not illegal. <laughs> Yeah, so this is still a, this is still like the part in like the legal theory where we can be like these are crazy people being led by an insane clown man. Yes. So anything they found is illegal. It's just crazy. They also so like I said, I think they have pretty reasonable suspicion for this uh, for the victim. 
they are like generalizing like they're on the plane on the way and they're just like rattling off bomber stats because that's like another trope of the show it's just them like reading you statistics and acting like that says anything they're like well 44 percent of bombers actually wet the bed when they were 12 and it's like well cool what about the 66 like what's going on like this doesn't this isn't relevant this is reed just going like well did you know and he is a king i'll give him a pass Mm -hmm. by the way this last time we can mention this so in this episode he's 23 years old he's baby and for the readers at home we are both 23 years old in this moment yes i remember watching this when i was little and i was like why are they freaking out 23 is so old and now i'm watching it i'm like what the fuck is he doing there like imagine if i was running around with a gun like no (laughs) yeah that being said it's not out of the question because the fbi is like trying to headhunt law students right now Mm -hmm. after we graduate and so like i could have applied and if i didn't have like a really shitty body and really shitty eyes i could be in the fbi at 23 not to flex or anything um but i am basically dr spencer agent reed be you'd be a trainee and not like a full card carrying member that's got like a gun (laughs) i'd get there i'd have what like four months i'd get there okay well okay to be more relevant yeah um i will skip i'll go sometimes i try and go chronologically i'll just go by like topic Mm -hmm. so like i said they have like probable cause to be suspicious of the victim so they get a search warrant for his house they do not show it but we will assume it's a warrant i mean they do show it when the wife comes home yeah they do they mention it yeah so the wife like walks in with her purse so like i'm assuming she wasn't there that's fine they if they have a warrant they can just go in they don't need permission they don't need someone to be home they can just enter now if they do have a warrant they usually have to knock and announce that it's police Unless they have what's called a no-knock warrant, in which case they can just bust down the door. Um, warrants are also usually executed during the day, unless you have special permission from, like, the warrant itself to go in during the night. And if you're wondering, well, what's the difference between day and night? How do they determine that? Mm-hmm. Great question. Um, they just figure it out. So, yeah, that was, like, the best answer. They're like, you know, it's just kind of day and night. Good luck, yeah, drawing the line there. So, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty sexy of them when you think about it. Right, so they can go into the house. It's fine. She gets there. She's like, what the hell's going on? Why are y'all here? And they say, well, we have a warrant. We're, like, somebody will get it. It's on the table. We'll show it to you. So that's fine. They don't have to, like, carry it with them on them or anything as long as they show it to her. By the way, this woman who has just come back from the hospital where her husband is now legless. And she's like, why are you in my house? And they're like, we have a warrant. Yeah. And then she's like, why do you have a warrant? And they're like, because we think your husband fucking did it. Yeah. And she's not immediately having a breakdown, which is wild. So, like, they go through all of that. They also are, like, searching the house and find some, like, bomb materials in, like, the garage. And, like, dun-dun-dun. The bomb materials they find are, like, three differently colored wires and a copy of the Anarchist cookbook. Yes, which, you know what? Um, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed, too. Yeah, they say their nephew. I'm assuming he's 13, because that is, like, the age to be doing this shit. Yeah, that's the age where you print out a copy of the Anarchist cookbook. <laughs> yeah, was, like, over, and so they were like, well, we don't know. And so, like, this is mentioned later in the episode as, like, a throwaway, but the, they sent the Texas police department to interrogate this, like, nephew, and, like, rest in fucking pieces, kid. Because I can imagine, like, Dallas PD just, like, banging on the door and, like, yelling about terrorism to, like, this random 13-year-old whose, like, uncle is, like, 
dying in the fucking hospital. Yeah, so they so they find this and this puts him under a lot of suspicion for like 20 minutes until Reed and Gideon go interview this guy in the hospital and they're like, no. Yeah, and so going into the hospital, like I'll call it an interrogation because if he was a suspect, this would be an interrogation. Yeah. But he's not a suspect. So this is like, again, with kind of episode one, I think we mentioned this, is if they violate your rights, but you're not a suspect or you're not arrested for it, the only thing you can do is a civil suit. It's not, there's no punishment for the police. Mm -hmm. So this is at the point where, again, if he was a suspect, I would call this an interrogation. He can't leave. He wouldn't feel like he could leave. They obviously don't read him his rights. Mm -hmm. They also, it also wouldn't be a valid, um, like, confession because they mention later, like, he's sedated, he's in pain, he's in shock. Mm -hmm. He talks at one point like his foot hurts, which is his missing foot. So even if they did, like, read him his Miranda rights. Like, he is in no state to validly waive them. This would not be an intelligent waiver. It would not be a knowing waiver. Like, he's just not with it enough. So, also, they have, an, like, they have a warrant to search his house. That Doesn't that make him a suspect? So, doesn't that mean he gets rights when talking to them, even if they're not, like, arresting him? If he's a suspect, yes, because um, that goes towards it being an interrogation. If they have a warrant to search his house, they probably technically have a warrant for his arrest. Like, they could get one. I won't say that they have one currently, because, again, none of this is mentioned on screen. If he's a suspect and he was, like, out and about, they could have gotten a warrant for his arrest as well, but presumably they don't because they don't arrest him. But, again, this is the thing where, like, they're talking to him like he's just a witness as they're thinking he's a suspect. So, again, if he'd been the guilty party in this, like, none of this would have counted. But as he's not the guilty party and there's no reason for him to have a civil suit because it's not like they did anything, like, harmful to him and it helped their case and I'm going to go out on a limb and say he wants whoever blew his legs off to be punished, it would be, like... Realistically speaking, this would not harm anything, but it would be super shady. So, we'll put this in the lawful but awful category. Yeah. Even then, like, it's not even really lawful, but, like, nothing would happen to them for it. So, like, that's all that. Uh, what's your next big legal concern? Yeah, my next category is they mention Morgan has a quote-unquote ATF background and never elaborate on this. <laughs> at all. Um, which, like... That could be anything that could be like he had an internship 10 years ago yeah. like what the fuck does that mean so i've talked to police before that doesn't mean anything like that could mean he took one class yeah like but we will assume he is super certified because he's doing like psychological shit with the bomb and so that is another thing is we can assume instead of having like an actual expert do this they're having morgan do it yeah so we will assume he can be certified as an expert in court, which means that he has to have some kind of specialized experience. He wouldn't necessarily need a degree. So, like, he wouldn't need a master's. He wouldn't need, I don't know, like, a doctorate in whatever this, like, subject matter would be. Mm -hmm. But he needs some specialized training in it. So I worked for the ATF for 10 years. I took a special class on the psychology of bombers. I did blank like right like something that is a specialized that not everybody would know and not every cop would know so but getting on that for a moment he was he was a chicago cop now he's an fbi agent and he can't he, like he's got to be like at most 30 how is he an expert i know and how is he yeah like in real life they would have like an actual scientist be doing it not one of the random cops that could also be helping like actually find the suspect not one of the cops that's literally only there because he doesn't want to be outside gideon yeah, and, like, it would be such a fucking pain to certify this man as an expert when they could have literally called the 10 million forensic experts that the FBI has 
Like, it's wild. But, like, I get it. You don't want to have a huge character cast, so, like, fuck it, I guess. Beyond that, they do kind of shoot themselves in the foot because not only is he, like, the person they choose to be the expert, but they also just throw Garcia in there. I was going to say that next, too. So Garcia's just, like, vibing, which, like, wouldn't hurt anything. Like, it would be weird. But unless she is actively, like, touching or, like, interrupting, like, the forensics, which, like, he's all reconstructing the bomb so we can assume fingerprints were searched and all of that. Um, She wouldn't hurt anything, but she is, like, integral because he's like, I can't figure it out. This bomb doesn't make any sense. And she's like, well, what if that part goes to that part? And he's like, oh, fuck. This is a perfect reproduction of this bomb that I know by heart and immediately. And it's like, well, why? didn't you recognize it from the pieces but like whatever king um great great atf expert they have there that doesn't know long stick goes in long haul i know and like they would have to bring that up in court because they have to ask like what's your thought process and reasoning and he would have to say well i had our technology expert just hanging out with me and not doing your job and it's like well what did she like and she has no expertise so the experts so like it would fall apart. This is wild. Yeah. It's for the drama and it would just not be reliable at all. Again, I want to see what they got. It's like, thank God our suspect is dead because we're not getting this. It's it's crazy. Um, later on, they also do the trope that Criminal Minds loves, which is they talk about how they don't have a profile and then immediately go and give the profile. They don't have a profile and then Gideon looks at something and goes, I've got it. <laughs> I've got it. Here's the whole profile, which again, not reliable. I won't go into that again because we're three episodes in and I hope to God you get like the whole reason I'm bitching about it. <laughs> um, so this gets into the last category of legal stuff which is the whole thing with bail yeah so the deal that he makes with the so basically he's in whatever the hell prison in atlanta he wants to be transferred to a minimum minimum security prison he wants to be he wants to be transferred to a mental hospital yeah yeah he wants wants to be transferred to a mental hospital so he can talk to people and because he's been like what in solitary mostly or like he's just been in his own cell he hasn't really had a lot of time to talk to people yeah usually for these crimes you're in solitary or you're in an individual cell yeah so he he's not getting a lot of social interaction um and he wants to be transferred to a mental hospital so he can talk to more people but he also wants Gideon to say haha I won um all those deaths were explicitly my fault, etc. Yeah, he wants Gideon to be like, I've killed six people by my stupid incompetence. Yes, and Gideon fucking does it. Yeah. Uh, like, Gideon goes like, you're right, I killed those people. And then he leans in real close and is like, but if you fuck me on this. Yes. So, like, it is crazy. So, they go into discussing the deal. The first watch through that I was watching this, because they have Hotch calling, like, a woman who's, like, bitching at him for, like, we need to rush to get this deal and we need to do this this and this and like directing it and my first watch through I was like oh my god they finally have a prosecutor on this like what a revelation and then my second watch through I looked at her badge and she's also a special agent yeah. so like I don't know what's going on here like she's above Hotch I think I think she I think she's supposed to be the stand-in for a season for like the head of the BAU which will eventually be Aaron Strauss yes the evil head of the BAU yeah the evil the evil witch of a woman who's an alcoholic and a bastard <laughs> yeah and so like but yeah it's really weird so they don't get a prosecutor on it again um Bale would need to be Mirandized for all of this etc but like he'd probably like based on the character he would waive his rights does he need to be Mirandized for this 
Because he's not a suspect in these bombings. He's only, he's like, they. he's basically like an expert that they call in. A good question. So there has been case law on like this specific issue, which is a person in jail gets pulled out and interrogated and like never leaves jail, but is being interrogated at that point. And I cannot remember the case, the specific case like off the top of my head, but it has been found that like you're not removing them from like their day-to-day life because they're in prison and they already can't leave, so they don't necessarily need to be Mirandized, um, even for separate investigations. Now, again, this could be different jurisdiction to jurisdiction, etc., and, like, I'm sure there's wiggle room that defense attorneys have found because we're little bitches like that, (laughs) but generally speaking, um, like, they wouldn't necessarily have to read him as rights, and like I said, based on the character being such a little ass... Um, I would assume he'd waive his rights at first. Mm-hmm. They're, like, giving him information the whole time to, like, bait him into, like, saying stuff. Again, that's allowed. Next, they, like, because they're baiting him to, like, go and, like, run and talk to someone. Um, to try and talk to the unsub that they're trying to find. Reed then goes in mm-hmm. and monitors, like, his mail and his call. Like, as they're walking out, he's like, monitor his mail, monitor all of his calls. Those would already be monitored. There's a little play at every prison that I've ever had to listen to phone calls for that's like a robot voice that's like just so you know everything here is being recorded and then prosecution and defense attorneys listen to all of it it is so much time wasted you will know more than you ever wanted to know about the person you're defending sex life than you have ever wanted to know I've listened to so much fun sex it is ridiculous but it is all recorded all the mail is already recorded so that would like they can just look at that that wouldn't be an issue there isn't like a question because like He goes into his secret email account that he's apparently not allowed to have. Garcia starts monitoring his computer remotely somehow and is like, okay, he found, he has a secret email. We need to get all the information. I'll hack it. And she does say she hacks it, Mm -hmm. which makes it a search. Like, this would be really shady, right? Because he's not allowed to have it. And theoretically, it's not... Like, his mail would already be monitored in the prison, but she's also hacking a private company who would get involved to get this man's mail, email or whatever, and like phishing him so she can access the computer. Like, it's weird. Why isn't the prison just giving her access to these computers? Mm -hmm. Like, she has to set up a whole scheme to get in this fucking desktop instead of calling the warden and being like, hey, can you give me access? Um, So again, a lot of routes to do for no reason at all. Mm -hmm. Um, He does post on a private message board to warn the unsubs, and she gets, like, all their names and profiles. Mm -hmm. Again, I would assume this is public information because, like, she's going through the user profiles, quote-unquote, so it seems like that would be public, like, you click on the username and here's their profile. If it was deeper, again, that's a search into a private company. They would have to give her that information, which, as she just said, she's hacking shit, I would assume she does not have permission to do. So that's, again, that depends, like, on exactly what she's doing. Well, so here's the issue with people that commit online crimes is because, so that website is, like, for for bomb enthusiasts, which is, yes. is everyone wild that that's, like, a fucking www dot website. Like, that would usually be deep web shit. But here's the thing, that, that I mean, that's probably not hosted here in America because that shit would be taken down immediately. Um, it's probably hosted in a foreign server, so, like, you can run into a little bit of trickiness in that, because she says that she's tagging all of these profiles, and tagging profiles doesn't mean, like, these people visited the page, uh, and I can see that. That means, like, she's, she's somehow able to see 
beyond like what you can automatically see on the front page. So I mean, to that extent, I think that is somewhat illegal because she's she's tracking IPs. Yes. So that would be because she would need a warrant to be able to do that. So that's probably illegal. Yeah, it is 100% illegal. So that's a big issue. Um, We then go to the actual deal itself. So they do give them a lawyer. This is awesome. Um, They finally have representation and they don't make her a pedophile or anything. (laughs) You know, so that's great representation for defense attorneys right there. Yeah, so they are negotiating. He's asking to be put into a mental asylum instead of a lower security prison. But that wouldn't be like a thing they can do. Like, you can't just be like, put me in a mental asylum instead of prison, please. Like, even if he was negotiating a deal, it would just be for a lower security prison or, like, some sort of release. It wouldn't be like, because unless he has a mental disorder that is committable, which ASPD isn't, like, he couldn't, so it's wild. So he can't, it couldn't be done anyway, but I guess his attorney was just not on it. Gideon's so certain this man's gonna fuck up that he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, he's like, yeah, fuck it, why not? The attorney does have it all written up to sign it. They really should have all, like, read over that. (laughs) Like, just to double check it. They just sign it without looking. Uh, Which, never do that when a defense attorney hands you something. But, like, that's cool. Also, so, theoretically, this defense attorney gets notified, drives to the prison, has time to speak to bail, and time to write this, like, individual plea agreement in, like, 90 fucking minutes. Um, and then they get him to the police station within, like, four. Like, this is a tight time frame that is not, it does not make sense. Gideon could say, could tell the court that he broke the deal, and it wouldn't be valid. There's also, like, witnesses, right? There's people in the room that hear him say the wrong wire, so that wouldn't be a big deal. Just for, like, some cleanup stuff. Oh, yes, also, there's the whole thing where the wife is bringing the, like, L into, like, the forager's garage. Mm -hmm. And so... Yes, let's talk about spousal privilege in terms of private property. Yes, so it would depend... So, basically speaking, generally speaking, spouses can give searching to, like, anything that's shared, any communal rooms, like, your bedroom, your office, whatever. If one spouse has something that is specifically private, so, like, for attorneys, if I have work product and files on my clients that I keep in a cabinet and my spouse can't look at that because of attorney-client privilege then he could not give the police permission to search it, despite it being in our house and being in, like, communal space, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't think that applies to just, like, we have a shared garage and that's his office area. Yeah, so, like, I guess the fact that it's in a garage matters because a garage is generally seen as, like, a shared space. Yeah, it's separate, but, like, also the fact that she had the, like, presumably she could just walk around and, like, be in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, it's not, there was not a lock on the door and, like, it's not clear that she could not go into it. So this would be something, again, like if I was the defense attorney, I'd be arguing that she couldn't give permission for them to search it. But, you know, it's another like kind of shady space. Um, He also just fucking hits her with his car. Just full. I do love this woman. Can we talk about this bitch of a wife? She's my favorite. This, this woman walks in as she is showing the cops to her husband's workspace. She's like, don't ever get married. I can't fucking believe this guy. She's walking to the garage with like a cigarette in her hand and she's just like... She's like, don't get married, okay? It's a fucking racket. And then the car starts and she's like, damn, I hope he's not killing himself. I won't be able to collect on insurance. Like, she's a winch. Like, what a queen. (laughs) I would love to get drinks with this woman. I feel like she has some shit to say. Oh, no, you go to the local bar and everyone's like, Big Bertha. And she's like, yep. Uh, Like, this is the best woman I've ever seen. Absolutely. So again, um, like, so she takes him to the garage. The man on his way out just nails her with his fucking car. Uh, Like, no hesitation at all. He hits her with his car. 
Elle shoots the car as it drives away, so she's shooting a fleeing suspect, which is not... That's not allowed. Yeah. Unless he is an active danger to someone, which you could argue that he is, he right? He just hit a woman with his yeah, car. Yeah, <laughs> he just hit a woman with his car, but since there's no one in the street, like, it's shady, right? Because mm-hmm. if I was the prosecution, I'd be like, well, look, if I was the one, pro- like, defending the unsub, I would be saying, well, look, there was nobody else in the street. He was on an imminent danger. He had already committed harm, but he wasn't about to commit it, so, like, you can't shoot him in the back. If I was prosecuting him, I would say, well, look, he just mowed this woman down. L can't necessarily see everyone on the street. There could have been a car, right? Like, he could have been in present danger. So, again, this would be an issue, but generally speaking, when police shoot someone driving away, that's not great. And so on and so on and so forth. There is also, like, an issue. So, they search his little garage. Miss Walker did give them permission, again, so I don't think it would be a big deal. It's also an active crime scene, like- he's committed a crime like yeah like they have they have more than probable cause so that's not a big deal yeah they also like there's a few instances where they are discussing like the investors that he cheated and things Mm -hmm. and like going through public like not public records but going through like here's all the investments they made blah 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 Mm -hmm. again this would either be public information or they can just get it from whatever like company like the company would just send it to them at that point it's a rico charge and like that's a federal thing so they they have access to that yeah like it would not be a big deal and finally, the very last note that I have is that, like, Gideon is telling Bell to go fuck himself as he's going back into prison. And Gideon's like, also, I told them you're a fucking rat, so have fun, bitch. Um, and cops can 100% do that. That is not, it is not great. It is not explicitly illegal. So they can, like, absolutely just leak shit to prisoners. They do it in real life. That would be a thing. So that's all the legal shit for this episode. Yeah, I mean, like, a lot happens in this hour of tv and like truly like kudos to the writers it's a compelling ass episode um i know like i was i was on the edge of my seat they also do almost murder hotch that's a whole thing yeah 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 no hotch and l nearly get fucking like baked um yeah and like there's there's no legal stuff we can go over with the dude with the collar bomb like he comes in, they all pull guns on him, which is fine, because he comes in like, I have a bomb on me, so like, yeah. <laughs> they don't get him a fucking chair for like 30 minutes of this episode. While this man like weeps and is like sweating buckets and is like hysterical because he's about to die. And they're like, man, we shouldn't get him a chair. And they do get him a chair and it's Honolulu's own little private like wire cage. Yeah. Like, this man's going fucking through it. I am so sorry for this dude. No, so he's just having a fun time. Uh, By the way... And I know this because I've worked in some uh, TV and stuff like that. Uh, it's coconut oil that makes him look all that sweaty. Ooh. Yeah, so so it's real good for his skin, at least. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so at the end of the episode, we don't have somebody to prosecute because uh, Walker is terribly dead. Yeah, he does kill himself, so there's no police brutality mm-hmm. charge over it. Yeah, he kills himself. Um and we know he kills himself because we have like at, like radios going on at the time like we know th- we know this uh so yeah it is very clear there is yeah there's no issue unlike every other episode of criminal minds uh they do not murder him neat little bow on this crime so that's fun um and yeah so at the end of the day what like we learned <laughs> that i don't know gideon might be right to be paranoid and crazy because it turns out everybody in the world is fucking insane <laughs> Yeah. This Criminal Minds universe, everyone is working, like, 15 jobs. Mm-hmm. They are all just balls to the wall insane. Yeah, that's a, that's 
an issue with this show where it's like everybody's got nine jobs. Like Morgan is ATF stalking all this shit. Garcia's like technology. Like everything fucking technology. Garcia's like if it if it fucking rings, I'm on it. Yeah. JJ has the most nebulous, undefined job in the world. Hotch is doing literally fucking everything. Hotch is just being a dilf. That's his entire job. I'll say it as many times as I need to. No, you should. Um, so while we have like two or three minutes, I want to go to episode three of Criminal Minds, uh, the IMDb page, because sometimes they might like to mark down like little goofs in the episode. Um, and uh, I, I like I need you to hear like these stupid goofs like when I'm looking through pages to find out more about these episodes, I have to look at these all the fucking time. Yeah, in this episode, apparently, uh, Hotch talks about how when he collected coins as a boy, he was looking for the 1944 penny. But any expert would really know he was looking for the 1943 penny. It's the stupidest shit I have to read on this page. Dr. Reed wrote that himself. Yeah, like, no, Gideon fucking wrote that. (laughs) Uh, Also... Uh, fun fact in this episode, Garcia is like, yeah, my dad wanted me to go to medical school. No, her parents loved her. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I guess that's, that to me is not a goof. That's a joke that she makes. Um, here's an actual kind of continuity uh, goof in a newspaper article. It says the bomb happened in an apartment building, but Gideon keeps saying it happened in a warehouse, evidently. Ooh. Uh, so, fucking got him. God, the people who write those are even worse than we are. And that's a low fucking bar to, like, jump under. Also, and this is the stupidest fucking correction I've ever seen. When the BAU in Palm Beach discovered the information, Gideon sits down and grabs a water bottle with the name Poland Springs. In Palm Beach, this would have to be imported because the only water is available in uh, Palm Beach are Arrowhead, Deer Park, and Zephyr Hills uh, water. Go fuck yourself. All right. <laughs> Like, I hate whoever wrote that. Again, the people making hour-long episodes being nerds and critiquing every detail of the show, that's a little fucking much. Like, listen, I'm I'm not saying that we aren't pots calling the kettle black, but I am saying that at least we're sexy. I'm saying at least, like, there are degrees, okay? And we're mm-hmm. pretty bad, but that's a whole nother level. And then I want to see who plays the bomber, because I'm pretty sure uh, while I was watching this, uh, Graham, so my, my partner, for the viewers, has this ability to just look at the TV screen for, like, a second and be like, oh yeah, that person's from fucking, uh, <laughs> like... A weird, obscure movie, or, like, SVU, mostly. Um, so, uh, like, literally would just walk in while I was watching an episode and be like, hey, isn't that? And I'm like, how would I know that? (laughs) Yeah. It has nothing to do with the fact that they are also obsessed with SVU. I was trying to see, like, do I know who's from the other show? Of course I fucking don't. I'm face blind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, so, that's a wrap on this episode, I guess. Uh, we will see you next week with, uh, episode four, Plain Sight. Probably... Like I said, this episode was crazy. This episode's more crazy, so. Absolutely. But somehow less legal, so you know. Or less illegal, shall I say. (laughs) All right, we'll see you next week then. See y'all. Thank you for listening to Worth the Case. If you want more information on the show, as well as updates when we drop new episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at Worth the Case Pod. Thanks for listening.